Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a a better better global society. Executive Director, Leave Abundantly, Dr. Ama, Ms. Sotomino of Paternity Issues, actor and filmmaker, Peter Boyo, join us on this episode. I am Nifemi Ogunt. We have a guest in the house today, someone you'll be willing to meet. Popularly referred to as the first Nigerian to openly declare his sexuality on national TV, gay rights activist, actor, storyteller, And this one is new. He calls himself the angelic troublemaker. BC Alibi, executive director, BC Alibi Foundation joins us on this episode. You're welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about equity and equality, particularly for the Nigerian underground community. And beginning with BC Alibi, you have a rich history behind you. Growing up and schooling in Lagos, the... We've read about the discrimination you reportedly suffered in uni, how you were almost denied your certificate. Wait, really, did uni like actually hold on to your certificate at any point in time? First of all, Nifemi, thank you so much. And thanks, Dr. Ama, for having me on the show. Um, yes, they did indeed. And um, I, I mean, well, the, the argument that was used then was the fact that uh, for a student to graduate, you have to have good morals and good grades. And the conversation was very much about the fact that my morals were um, debatable in the sense that I I own up to uh, my sexuality. So that was uh, a big thing. And I don't really think that that in of itself is a special thing. We still see students being dismissed either from university or from secondary school all across Nigeria on the basis of their sexual orientation. And that is the fundamental question that why should we judge the ability of a person based on who they are in love with? Um, yeah. How, how and when did they change their mind about the certificate? Well, it was, um, it wasn't actually, it wasn't just a certificate. It was also my call-up letter to my youth service. Um, my, my poor mom, she, my mom, um, she used to work in, um, in the university and, you know, she had to beg and beg and beg. And we had to involve some people who are way high up there. And I'm very lucky to have a very, um, very understanding, um, head of department who kind of didn't see reason in the old drama that was going on and just stepped in and through his support and recommendation um, and also being the fact that I was my departmental president at that time, he was just able to just say, you know, this guy's been the president of this department for, for a whole year. He's done a lot of things. Just, just let him go. Let's just basically just let him go and maybe we all will be okay. 
I'm going to stay with BC for another one minute and then bring in the other members of um, um, my panel on this episode. Let's talk very quickly about um, that popular interview you had with Fumi Yoda in 2004 and how that changed your life. What inspired your decision to come out at that time, um, a time Nigeria wasn't ready for the LGBTQ conversation? Um, I don't know, for, for a lot of people that are quite um, aware of, of the incident. So I was already, I studied theater arts um, from the University of Lagos. I was involved in a soap opera that was running at that time on Galaxy Television. And, but also while I was in, while I was in uni, um, which means I was very open about my sexuality, um, Campus Life magazine had altered me two years in a row. Um, and so there were a lot of things going on about speculations, whether um, about my sexual, sexual orientation. And so when a, a, news, a newspaper was, was going to out me, basically, and that was one of, there's so many other reasons uh, behind my coming out, but that was the key reason why I had to take, you know, decisions for myself um, to, to tell my story uh, the way that it will be authentic, it will be historic, and it will be facts. I don't want to be running after uh, speculations and rumors. Uh, I want to be in charge of my own story. And that was exactly what I did. Dr. Ama, do you think that we are ready now to have this conversation as a nation? Off ed, I can think of many factors, uh, religion, culture, you know, quite a number of reasons that still stand as a clog in the wheel of that progress. Do you think that that conversation is ripe to happen now? you know, relative to 2004, when BC Alimi had that interview, recall that two years after the bill to criminalize same-sex relations uh, was introduced to the National Assembly. As we speak right now, there's a substantive law against it, Dr. Amos. Well, Nifemi, thank you very much for that question. And um, BC, thank you for always being authentic in your responses to um, the questions um, related to the LGBTQ+. Um, I believe that that conversation is occurring, particularly um, amongst the um, LGBTQ+, networks. Um, it's also occurring online, albeit sometimes underground. But I also believe that the generation uh, Z and also the millennials, they do have that conversation. You know, I've always believed that the most fundamental rights is the right to be who you are and to be accepted for who you are and not be discriminated against because um, we live in a world particularly on the African continent and in Nigeria, where anyone that is different, whether it's LGBTQ different, LGBTQ plus different, or physiologically different, is deemed not worthy. Um, and that is wrong because we're all physiologically different in some way or the other. And each of us is born with a gift to share with the greater universe 
and that should not be squelched by those who deem deem others to not be um what's the word i'm looking for viable beings because we're all human beings and we have a right to be here once you're born as a human being this is the planet where you will be and where you will produce and where you will interact okay um let me let me let me bring um Ms. Shotomino in on this conversation. You live in London, same as Bisia Alimi. And uh, you look at the survey here in Nigeria, the fact that there is still this very strong perception against um, LGBTQ. Well, I don't understand what the plus is. Maybe when I get back to BC, he will explain more to us. But the 2019 survey indicates that 60% of Nigerians uh, um, would not accept a family member who is LGBTQ plus and 75% were in support of the country's discriminatory legislation. Do you think it's a matter of time before Nigeria catches up with um, a country like the UK to begin to accept this as norm? Thank you, Nifemi. I believe that it's going to take a very long time, but I do not believe that it's impossible. I believe that it will happen, but it will take a bit of time. I say this because there's uh, so much ignorance and um, prejudice that exists for people that are different, whether they be, you know, from the LGBTQ community or they have a different type of lifestyle. It's very difficult to uh, fit in in a situation where. Um, one one way of thinking is uh, taken as the only way of thinking, so to speak. So I think in the area of families and relationships, um, a lot needs to be done. A lot needs to be done in terms of education, where many topics that aren't spoken about openly should be spoken about openly. I think the in in terms of um, moving towards acceptance of this of the situation that we're all different and the LGBTQ community is part of our community, the global community. Um, it needs to come from, I believe the education sector has a lot to do with this. In the UK, of course, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's a very prominent, there are very prominent laws and acts that need to be um, followed, should I say. There's the Equality Act of 2010, which is an, an anti-discrimination law and this has actually helped a lot in the sense that in schools they have what we call PHSE. Um, PHSE, if I remember clearly, is physical health and social and emotional education. And um, part of that is the RSC, which is relationships and sex education. So children from age five, six are being taught about adoption, about blended families, fostering, same-sex relationships, single families, blended families, they're being taught as part of the curriculum and they come home and they teach their parents actually, although parents can choose for their child to be excluded from the lessons. Most of the time the child doesn't want to be excluded, so I think we have a long way to go, but I don't think it's impossible. Peter Amon Boyo is an actor filmmaker in Nigeria. Talk to us, uh, Mr. Boyo, about um, the acceptance of members of this community in your industry, as we speak. Okay, thank you, Nifemi. Um, it's still a very um, 
touchy subject because in this part of the world, the alternative lifestyle is not accepted in the norm as it is in other parts of the world. There's still that double standard of um, do what I say. Um, and in the industry, there are people with alternative lifestyle, but it is not openly um, explored. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of um, fear of stigmatization, fear of exclusion and physical harm. Because in this part of the world, um, being an, um, someone with an alternative lifestyle is very, I would say, dangerous in a lot of aspects. It is not accepted here, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's mostly done, um, it's mostly in secrecy or in cliques. But I think the younger generation are more acceptable to alternative lifestyles because of exposure, because of their lifestyle. So as long as the laws are still in place and the older, I call them the older people making the laws, it's going to take a long, long time, like Ms. Sotomi said, for this type of lifestyle to be accepted, especially in the industry. Indeed. Um, the, the, the BCLME Foundation uh, is working to accelerate social acceptance of um, LGBT people in Nigeria. Talk to us, BC, about how that's, that's, that's been going. How do you see your work um, changing, uh, for instance, the current legislation that we have against it in Nigeria? Um, thank you very much. I just want to address, first of all, the issue of time. Um, because um, the, the interesting dynamics about Nigeria and why you're seeing that survey, the way that survey has been is that um, Nigeria, I think if I'm, if I'm wrong, please, uh, I'm open to correction, has, Nigeria has the, young, the, the highest number of young people in the world. And the difference between those young people and the young people of my generation or the generation slightly after me was the has been the access to social media, access to information that are not restricted to Nigeria. So now, um, for example, Nigerians are possibly the largest consumer of modern family outside of Europe and, um, and America. That says a lot. That says a lot that there is an appetite for stories that tells, for stories that tell family in different dynamics and story that tell people in different ways. Um, a lot of Nigerians have now seen the latest series of elites. And when I was talking about it, most young people have said, oh my God, you've not seen elites. It came out, why are you just seeing it? So with Netflix and, so, and, and, and um, YouTube, young Nigerians are seeing things differently like the older generation. So it's understandable if my generation feels like that we don't have time. But these young people don't really have time for time. They want change to happen and they want that change to happen now. And thanks to Clubhouse that has created like dropping audio, these young people are having those very hard conversations and they are pushing the boundary even further than you know I can ever imagine. And I think that's where the, the work that we do at the foundation um, 
comes in because what we are trying to do is that we want Nigerians to have that conversation in a way that it creates a learning opportunity um, that we, we, we would not leave that conversation the way that we, we walked into the conversation, that we'll be equipped with the right terminologies to use, with the right understanding of what the issues are. Personally, for me, I am not interested in engaging with politicians in Nigeria because as far as I'm concerned, they are lost costs. And this is my personal opinion. I don't want to waste my time on them. They are not interested in someone like me. I don't have money to give them. I mean, the the the, the right of a girl child bill is still in the National Assembly. It's being watered down because if Nigerians and the Nigerian lawmakers cannot see reason why they wish they should be protecting the right of girls to have access to education and protect their fundamental human rights against abuse. Who am I to be pushing for LGBTQI plus protection? That's way behind it. So it's about setting priorities, right? So our focus has always been the ordinary Nigerians, the people on the street, the people sitting in front of their TV for us to engage with them because they are the ones that will make the change happen, not the politicians. It is when Nigerians have gone on a journey of acceptance built and and shredded in love that is when we can influence policies beyond the current political um elites um that we have and this is why ordinary people are the focus of the work that i do in nigeria um dr hama you hear bc talk about um young people who are curious and but among these young people i like to think that there is um an elite group there's still quite a number of young people in Nigeria who are not aware. For instance, we talk about LGBTQ+. There are very few Nigerians who can, you know, define what these letters mean or who understand beyond the sexual ori orientation of um, people what this community truly represents. The challenge is this is not being taught in school. And I'm not sure that individuals are taking enough responsibility to understand these terms. There seems to be a huge ignorance gap. Do you agree with me, Dr. Ama? Um, Nifemi, I have to say you're absolutely correct in that there's a bit of an ignorance, so to speak. But there's also the awareness because the average Nigerian is connected to the Internet, is able to access additional information beyond what they hear on a daily basis. Um, Nigerians travel worldly, they're, they're global trotters, they, they know what's going on, they're aware of what's going on. Um, their families where they have um, children who um, members or will be considered members of the LGBTQ+, but many of them reside abroad, again, because of the laws and the shame factor that's brought into their sexual orientation or their gender, um, their non-gender conformity. And to answer your question er um, earlier, the plus really requires uh, references those who consider themselves non-binary, pansexual, um, or even those who are intersex. I mean, let's take for example, intersex, you're born like that. Why would you discriminate against somebody who is born in a particular way? It does not take anything away from their ability to be part of society, to learn, to progress. I'd like to add something to what she was saying about ignorance. 
Um, I don't believe there's as much ignorance as we pretend to be because I deal with a lot of the young um, people and I mentor a lot of young people and they're very much aware of LGBTQ um, um, lifestyle and issues. And most of them have that fear instilled with them because of religion or like I said, um, social stigma or shame or whatever you want to call it. So it's not about ignorance, but more about the psychological effects, especially in this part of the world. It's not even families disown their children or that harsh mentality, keep quiet, don't tell anybody, don't ask, don't tell. There's still that stigma, there's still that lifestyle, there's still that fear. There's, I think um, BC can understand what I'm saying from whatever happened in 2014 is still happening now because a lot of young people understand but they are afraid so i just wanted to add that little bit yes i wanted to add sorry quickly that um as bc had said that um you know when a country refuses to realize the importance of protecting the girl child i mean where does the um underground community stand I believe that you know it's not just the LGBTQ community that's being stigmatized. It's also, as we've said before, that it's single parents, it's divorcees, it's unmarried older people who either choose not to be married. Childless couples, again, it could be because the, the, the uh, person or people choose not to have children or they can't do, have children, either by choice or otherwise. So all these different groups that don't fit in the norm according to the society um, are forced, as Dr. Ama said, to live abroad. Um, I, I think there's a huge resistance to the unknown. And as um, Mr. Boyer said, it's probably not really the unknown. They know about it, but they're afraid of the uh, social impact of doing so. And the other thing is, you know, um, I, I think in our society, the meaning of happiness is um, alien to many people and, and different to many people. What um, they, they believe they have to tell you what happiness means. Mr. Boy, I hope you understand what I mean. They believe they their definition of happiness should be what happiness is. Yes, I, yes, I totally agree. And the question is, what is the norm? Is there really a norm? <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? What is the norm in Nigeria, for example? Because 99% of families I know are definitely not normal. So what is the norm? <laughs> Yes, um, I, I think, you know, the, the whole idea that um, because of protection that um, I, I'm a single parent, that, that we have being abroad, the protection is there, you know, the legal protection, anti-discrimination protection, discriminating against, uh, you know, at work and social avenues and things like that. It is important that, yes, we look at the legal aspect, but as um, Mr. Alimi has explained, it is very difficult to even go through the legal channels in Nigeria. I think the education has to start at the grassroots mm. where people have the confidence and uh, Mr. Alimi, you know, giving these young people the confidence to come forward and help each other because it must be very, very hard. I don't know if Mr. Alimi can share that with us. Growing up and knowing that, um, you know, this is who you are and having to maybe pretend to be somebody else. I don't know if you had that experience growing up. Yes, I, I did. And, and you know, this this pretense that you, you talked about, it's also, it also fits into what Mr. Boyo um, is talking about, about the fear. We shouldn't forget that Nigeria has a, an unspoken rule 
of engagement, um, which is that you have to conform. You have to follow what everyone is doing, even when you're not doing what everyone is doing. People, you know, and this this fits into the Ashwabi mentality that we have. You know, you have to have the same outfit, the same views about things. And then you can go back home and undress and, you know, in, in secret, be who you want to be. As long as you're not that thing in public, that's fine. I mean, I remembered when I was on set of um, Roses and Tons and this, I was being balked by these journalists that were going to out me. And I was having conversation with people on set and they were like, just funny girl. It wasn't as if they were like, oh my God, how can you be like this? They were just, just funny girl and just paraded a girl and everything is going to be okay. Because in the industry, that's okay to do. You know, that's nice. In politics, I know a lot of my friends who are dating politicians, current politicians, they spend a lot of their times in Abuja. But these politicians are married. These guys that are dating and they have their own girlfriend. And this is what upsets me because at the end of this pretense, at the end of this hypocrisy, are innocent people that are dragged into it, that have no say in what the Im impact is on their lives. And we're not talking about those people. We're not talking, but unfortunately so. They are also, you know, the, 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 the custodian of the hate that a community is going through. So just like a vicious cycle, there are the, the, the women and the men that are caught up in this deceit, who then go out and marry women or married men who are also the perpetrator of the culture that promotes the deceit and everybody just all of these things just keep just keep going around and we need to break this cycle at a point because we are all in it and it's affecting all of us thank you for listening to thinking reimagined we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society. society.